So, I remember walking through Upper Thompson and hearing Myron Golden say his piece about, you know, the quote that he said that kind of really changed my perspective on everything. He said, it's not about finding the leads. It's about placing your message where the leads already are. And so essentially it's about taking what you have, you know, the messages you have, that's already making people, a percentage of people anyway, because you only need a fraction of like 1% of people, you know, and putting it in a distribution channel where they can see it and then it can come to you and consume the content that you're putting out. And uh, that was, you know, after that sentence had passed, that was kind of it. He kind of just changed the conversation. He didn't really elaborate and talk on it, which it kind of drove me crazy because I was hungry, man. I, I, I needed to know more. Like, uh, that's very insightful, but step by step, uh, Myron, can you break down how exactly I would do that? Because mind you, this time I have about 12 days left. You know, I'm in crunch time. You know, I have to figure out, you know, an elaborate strategy to get my message out in front of a distribution channel. I remember even one time I was watching a Ty Lopez video and he broke it down. Maybe it was the Russell Brunson podcast and he broke it down in a crazy, you know, it was a real crazy way to think about it. He said, now let's say you can pay for a post on uh, one of these large social media pages, like uh, something like, uh, let's just give like the largest one, like a shade room. And uh, I remember just, you know, and then he said, uh, how much sales would you make if that post had converted at a 1% rate? And I started to think about it. You know, I remember going to the Shade Room account and doing the calculations. Okay, how much followers does the Shade Room have? Oh, they have 15 million. Um, what is 1% of 15 million? Um, so 1% of 15 million is 15 million, 1.5 million. It's 150,000, which means if you converted, you know, if people came to, to your business at a rate of 0.1%, it would be 15,000 new clients, which means if people came into your business at a rate of point, at 0.01% of people on that page liked what you have to offer, then it would be 1,500 new clients. And at 001 so on and so on, it'd be 1500. That would be insanity. If just point zero zero, it would change your life forever. If you got your message on one of these mass distribution channels and um, even just point zero zero one percent of people accepted your message, like that would be like that would be pretty much it would be your life would be day and night. You know, and not only would it be day and night then, it wouldn't stop. They would continue to come in over and over and over and over again. You'd be pretty much set for life, essentially. But um, I remember Myron Golden had put that, he had planted the seed for that idea in my mind. But mind you, I'm still in panic mode. I'm still in crunch time because it's like, okay, how can I get this done? You know, I need people to come in without me actually um, going out to get them. You know, even, and that's something that I realized because I had forgotten that principle even now when I was doing the one big order that I had um, with the lady from over in Colorado. While I was doing that order, you know, no new clients were coming in. 
And it's like, okay, if you forget that principle, you won't have a business because while you're doing this, you know, the cash flow of your business will it will dry up and it'll stop completely. And so I peeled back from that video once it was done and I began to look on, you know, research through all of the marketing resources that I had, every podcast that I had, you know, on information about a little bit of information, a strategy behind what it is that Myron Golden was discussing in that podcast. And uh, what I came across was something called the Dream 100. And uh, as Russell Brunson describes it, the Dream 100 is essentially a list of the 100 distribution channels, you know, that have your ideal customers. And so I started to go through each podcast episode, go through the books, go through all these YouTube videos on strategies on how to make the Dream 100 work for me. Because one, I don't have a distribution channel myself. Two, I don't know anyone who has a distribution channel. You know, and three, the people who do have distribution channels, this is what I was thinking. And uh, I'm not even like, when I kind of thought of like all these hoops that I had to jump through, a little bit of panic started to settle in. Like, that's a job that requires at least a month of time. And that's something that I don't have. And so a little bit of panic had started to set in. And I felt like, where I felt like I had the key at first, my heart started to sink a little bit. You know, I started to have like sweats, like the concentration, like some days was giving me a headache. And so I began to look it up like, okay, what is, what is you know, what, what can I do? And I went through everything that I could find about this strategy that he called the Dream 100. And I remember one time I was listening to this podcast. I don't know if it was, it was Russell Brunson's podcast. I don't know which episode it was, but it was one episode that he did on the Dream 100 particularly and on actually weaving your way into the distribution channels that, um, that you wanted to be part of. Finding distribution channels, easy work, completely easy work. Um, you know, in that same 30-day interview series that I was talking about, this guy, Dana Derricks, um, he talked about finding your way into the Dream 100. You know, for us freelance writers, it's just like, you know, what are the products or services that people need, you know, that your ideal customer needs before they need your product or service? And so for me, I'm, I write ebooks for people, so it was kind of easy. It was like, okay, so people who I write ebooks for, they're business owners, they're getting ebooks because they want to build a culture and a community around their business. So some of the things that they might be buying already is information. You know, they might try to, you know, they might be buying, you know, freelance writing services for, let's say, um, blogging and articles because that kind of does the same thing. They might be buying information on like webinars. Um, if you don't know what a webinar is, it's kind of like a web presentation because it does the same thing. It builds a tribe and community and facilitates sales. So it's like, what are, you know, finding your Dream 100 is, is very easy. What are some of the products that they need after, you know, they come through you? You know, so people who have written a book already or are going to write a book already, they're probably looking for cover designers. Cover designers have interacted or have my ideal client. And so what the Dream 100 is, is basically... You target the services who are already interacting with your ideal client and you form a way to collaborate them and make a partnership to where they can refer to you that dream one client dream one I mean that client or where they can um that's another one you know and um a lot of entrepreneurs that come to you know that they'll come and need a book written the thing is they they're already trying to build a tribe and community around their central ideas. So that's another place they might go. They might go do interview shows or watch a lot of interview shows. 
You know what I mean? And so they might have your ideal customer. So what are the pages and what are the, you know, where are, where are your ideal clients gathered? And that's where, you know, that, 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 that distribution channel is your dream 100. Uh, is, is a person in your dream 100. So get 100 of those and how big is that audience of clients if you can tap into it. But the hard part for me was wondering like how the heck can somebody like me who has nothing on planet earth, you know, nothing interesting about me, you know, I don't have a business that's doing a lot of money at all or really any money, you know, I'm not super smart. Um, you know, I can't pay them anything. It's just like what reason would anybody who owns a big distribution channel like why would they need me or why would they interact with me and um like uh that that was kind of the crush that i had the kind of kind of problem that i had and um i remember like i said going through the podcast i was listening to this one story told by russell brunson he was reciting this um this story of so i think it was a show he's seen on tv but the premise of it was this i don't remember the exact details but he was talking about you know there was a brother and a sister in this story. And the sister, because he was just using a little metaphor, a little story to get his point across. And the sister was like, man, um, it sucks, man, in school. She was talking to her brother. I'm not one of the cool kids. And um, long story short, what her brother told her was like, you know, I can make you one of the cool kids. Being one of the cool kids is pretty easy. All you have to do is get one of the cool kids to like you and the rest of the cool kids will follow suit. And so I believe in the episode, you know, he arranged for her to be, to meet with one of the cool kids and one of the cool kids started to like her. And so the rest of the cool kids kind of followed suit. And, you know, he used that as kind of a metaphor to explain what it is like um, uh, with, with your Dream 100, with your distribution channel. A lot of people who have big distribution channels, um, they've built that because they're following the same exact strategy that, you've, that you're following right now. They've tapped in with or collaborated with the other big distribution channels in your industry in one way or another. And so the eyes, they're, you know, they all know each other. They're all following each other's platforms. It's like an interwoven network with, for some reason, you've just been on the outside of it, you know. And so uh, Stephen Larson said a little bit about this, too. You know, when his 30-day interview, you know, one of the strategies that he said he would use was like um, he would just work with C-level influencers and work his way up to the top, but starting at the bottom rung, you know, because once so-and-so seen you worked with their friend or something like that, then the next person and the next person and the next person would uh, be more likely to work with you because they see, okay, you're associated with so-and-so, so you're reputable. Um, and so the whole entire idea was that human beings, their minds, uh, they work and they're kind of clicky, you know, they form clicks. Um, it's like a click, for example, would be like your country. You don't rock with any other country, but once somebody comes over here and they're joining this country, they're part of it. You know, this is our in group. You know, there's an in group, which is us, and then the out group, which is the outcast. They're not us. Uh, and it'll be this way, just like in the episode of school that Russell Brunson was talking about. The in group is the cool people, and to the cool people, the out group is every other subgroup within the school or within high school, within the college or whatever. And you become a part of that in group by getting a member of that in group to endorse you. Um, and so in that way, human beings, like their minds are very, uh, you know, everybody, you know, I used to think that, you know, human beings like were very complex, but we actually, you know, make a lot of decisions in our day to day life based off of, you know, patterns. And so, you know, uh, 
if certain signals of you know in our mind are sent off we kind of we don't get like some complex thought process about it we kind of just go with the flow and so when you make friends with one of their friends a signal kind of goes off to say says that okay he likes them i like this person and he he thinks they're cool and so they must be cool it's kind of like that you can read a lot about that actually in the book influenced by robert cialdini i'm sorry i'm getting a little too technical about it i don't mean to do that but um the entire premise of the podcast was like Okay, if you want to work your way into the Dream 100, you just have to first, you know, um, you just have to convince one person, one person within that entire network of people that you're cool. And he said this was actually something that he had experienced a lot also. And um, so he, you know, some guy came to him with this, you know, strange product idea. It was like, Russell Brunson, will you promote my product? He was like, no, I don't want to promote your product. Why would I, why would I do that? And... Um, he didn't think anybody within his own personal network would uh, promote the product either. But uh, long story short, you know, the guy, you know, had eventually ended up working his way back to Russell Brunson. And Russell Brunson eventually said yes, because by the time he came back to him, he was working with so many different people within Russell Brunson's network. And Russell Brunson, you know, um, was wondering, he asked the guy, how did he do it? And then the guy just said, oh, I just started with this one person, you know. I started with a list of 100, I went through 49, and one person on that list of 49 said yes. And then when they said yes, he kind of went back through the list, and most people had actually changed their opinion on the basis of that. Um, so human beings, you know, as weird as it sounds, you know, they don't rely on a complex thought process. It's, uh, you know, the switch flips either on or off based off the pattern, you know, certain variables that they witness. And these variables are very standard and very set, like, you know, it's a pattern. And... Really, the only variable that matters is, are you cool with somebody I'm cool with? Um, which is an interesting topic altogether, you know. This, when I started hearing some of this information, you know, a beacon of hope started to come in. It started to shine and, you know, and uh, really resonate with me because I realized, you know, this was akin to something I had actually experienced before. Um, I remember, you know, um, man, if you know a little bit about me, I'm super, like, to myself, like, you know, um, I didn't grow up being the most confident person in the world or the best, most reputable person in the world within my circumstances, within my, you know, within the groups that I hang. You know, I went to elementary school very scared to speak and network and be part of any clique or any group. And so I was outcast for a lot of that process. Um, then middle school came around and I remember I didn't really have a desire for it, but, uh, you know, middle school came around and I can count on my hands how many conversations that I had with people that I didn't know. Didn't make a lot of friends. I didn't make any lot of close close connections. I'm like this to this very day. Um, but I remember going into high school, and I remember for the first time in my life, wanting something a little bit different. You know, I I felt like you know this is a clean slate, uh, and if I'm going to get this clean slate, I really want to make the best of it. I want to be part of a collaboration. I want to be part of a community. I want to be part of something. Okay. But I didn't really have any means of strategy going into it. You know, I went into it with the idea that you know. People who were in this group were in this group, and you know it was just something about us genetically that had separated us from the from the bunch. You know, I remember thinking things like uh, being part of the in group, being charismatic, winning friends, and all that was a genetic ordeal. But um, I don't remember which summer it was, but one of these summers in high school, I believe it was, maybe it was before it was either before high school or during my junior year summer. But uh, I, you know the the, the changes that I most resonate with happened in that expanse between my junior and senior year. And I remember, um, I remember just feeling like, 
you know, if this is my last year, I want to go out with a bang. And I, I remember I was going, you know, after junior year ended, I, I was in a really bad place. Um, a lot had happened. Um, you know, I had happened with my family. Uh, that was the year I, I was part of the wrestling team in the junior year. I got three E's and two D's and fell off the wrestling team because that much was going on in my personal life. And I really wanted to rebound. I wanted to be friends with, you know, I wanted to socialize and really let loose and be a part of something greater uh, and have great memories with people coming in my senior year. And so I remember going back. So historically, you know, from the ages of 14 to 15 to 16 to 17, I had always gone through, throughout the summertime when I wasn't wrestling. I would go on YouTube and I would watch uh, this page called Real Social Dynamics. And Real Social Dynamics talked a lot about, um, you know, guess what, social dynamics. And um, it talked a lot about, you know, those variables that go into being accepted into a new group and socializing in general. Um, and whereas I thought before it was on the basis of who I was strictly, um, with that, what they kind of broken down was like that it was on the basis of, you know, you have to exuber, you know, uh, embody the qualities that make that brain, you know, switching their brain flip from no to yes. And it's not about anything inherent to you. It's just about practicing, you know, practicing, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it. And that's why I'm pausing a little bit, but it's a lot to do with confidence. You know, it's, it, it really all came down to, in a weird way, self-belief. That's really all it came down to. You know, a person will approach a, an individual and they will either get accepted or rejected. Um, but you realize, you know, over and over again, because this is what was displayed on their channel. They were a pickup channel. Um, but this is what was displayed over and over on their channel. It was completely bizarre uh, how it would work, you know. They would take like a regular ordinary individual off the street and send them out on these little missions. They would go in bars and nightclubs and they would try to make friends or make relationships and pick up people and things like that. And what would happen so often was that a lot of people would go in there and they would get rejected and burned and bummed out over and over and over and over and over again. But then, you know, uh, this exact same person, exact same attire, exact same everything, for some reason, they would tell them, you know, they would give them a little boost or a little oomph, a little strategy to up their self-belief. And suddenly, where it was a 100% rejection ratio, it would just turn to a hundred, almost 100% acceptance ratio. And suddenly, you know, everybody in the club or everybody in the function would love them and want to be their friends. And um, I started listening to a lot of their content, um, uh, uh, which really was a lot of sense around boosting yourself up and being a better person internally and so that you could have more self-confidence uh, exuding from you in these different situations. And I remember coming back the next year and, uh, you know, I made, a, I made a lot of friends and uh I was in a lot of situations, in a lot of cliques, in a lot of groups, and accepted in ways that I wasn't before. Um, I feel like in part, you know, I felt really celebrated, you know, that year. Really accepted it, you really understood. I mean, it, it didn't only help that I had already wedged my foot in the door by joining the wrestling community, and so the cool kids that were wrestlers had liked me also. But, you know, even the people that were in neutral situations had began to like me. And so this was an ideology that I could apply, you know, and really understand when it came to the Dream 100. So the Dream 100 was about seeing that network that you had and just working your way in, really starting with one person. And a lot of people might feel, and this is something I feel, and still, you know, you feel doubt and everything. I mean, that's something that you can't exude. You're a human, I mean, that you can't, you know, stamp out. You're human. But uh, 
just the realization that, you know, I don't remember who said the quote, but he says, the guy who, or the, or the, or the one who thinks he can and the ones who thinks he can't are both right. You know, it's interesting, right? Because whether you can or cannot, it's not really based on the qualities or the genetics or anything about you. Anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. It's just what, what, what matters the most is the belief itself. And so if you want to, you have to train yourself to believe that you can do some of the things that you that they can do it, I mean, that you can do. Uh, and, and that was, a, those ideologies helped me a lot in many other areas as well as wrestling, you know. Um, a lot of my wins, a lot of the things that I pulled off in the sport, I had became a regional champion and the MVP of the team. Uh, most takedowns uh, in that year and in a lot of the years prior uh, just really came from really believing that I could do some of the things that, I said I could do a lot really changes for some reason something happens when people believe in themselves even if nothing about them physically or you know genetically or anything like that changes anybody can use to you know break their way into the dream 100 it's not about if you got a big following it's not about if you can pay them or if you have a lot of money it's not about if you can uh, you know if you have you know it's, it's not about anything other than your belief and so generally the idea, and, and this is something that I'm experiencing now, you know, I've reached out to and, you know, I made friends with a lot of people with, you know, uh, shout out to my boy Yash, you know, you can follow him, that motorpreneur, um, which he's going to be more edible for him in the future as well, he's going to be one of our future clients. Um, but, you know, if we're such good friends at this point, you know, I might actually do that one for free. Uh, I really want to help him out because he's helped me a lot. You know, a uh, perfect example of the Dream 100. You know, I got a podcast called The Grand Design. It's just called Grand Design on iTunes. And uh, I remember the other day, man, we were, I was looking at the stats of the podcast and uh, they had jumped, like it went up like 33, 40, 50% or something like that. And I was like, boy, how did that happen? Uh, he has about 70,000 followers on Instagram. And uh, so people listen to his podcast and we had did a collaboration episode. It's a perfect example of the Grand 100. We had did a collaboration episode and uh, I had posted ours and they really didn't do anything. Um, but then he had posted his, you know, it on his podcast. And as a result of that, mine, you know, he shouted me out in the intro. And as a result of that, a lot of people had followed over from his podcast and listened to mine. So mine kind of went a little more crazy. You know, it wasn't like massive, but you know, it was a big, big jump, you know, uh, it, it was pretty crazy. And so, but me and him in that relationship formed just strictly on the basis of my own self-belief and uh, coming to the situation and having, and also just in a lot of self-belief in terms of socializing is switch flipping that switch in your brain from thinking everything in the situation is about you to really sincerely, because people can detect this about you. Sincerely wanting to offer something to that person, wanting to help that person with what it is they're experiencing. Okay, and so, look, man, there's a pattern to everything. Everything I've been obsessing over patterns lately, and everything is a pattern. The way, you know, the, the you know the switch in people's brain that makes them accept you or or deny you is based off a pattern of different variables. That's all it's based off of. You know, and similarly, you feel like, okay, uh, there's a lot of technical stuff. I felt like I also didn't have time to learn everything technical about the Dream 100. But, um, you know, it, it's ironic because it's like, you don't really have to learn anything technical. A perfect example, you know, you feel like you can't use it because you're not smart or you're not technical or you're not any of this stuff. But um, the Dream 100 is not just um, 
it's not a very technical thing. It's very bare, bare bones. Uh, every single musician, you know, and this is kind of where it clicked in my head. A lot of people think it's about the product or them or the quality of da-da-da-da-da. It's not about any of that. Being accepted and being boosted up is not about any of that at all. You know, because if you look at my favorite rapper, for example, Kendrick Lamar or somebody more reputable, you know, not more reputable than Kendrick, but somebody just as reputable like Frank Ocean, uh, then you have on the other side, you know, rappers who are mumble rappers and they don't really have quality content. And you look at the two of them and guess what? Despite the huge gap in the qualities of these two individuals, you know, these three individuals' music, or these two individuals, rather, let's make them more simple, these two individuals' music, both are famous. Both are famous. Both are accepted and revered by their peers. Both are a part of that same Dream 100 network. And both of them, because when you get into the network, started with nothing to offer. And so it wasn't about this individual being quality or not, and this individual being not. It was about following the pattern, modeling after what works in terms of socialization, weaving your way inside of that network. You see, everything comes down to a pattern and the pattern is mimicable and modelable by anybody, you know, and the pattern of the Dream 100, you know, for this, let's say if you're a rapper, what is the distribution channel and who has your dream clients already listening to you, listening to them? Think about it, it's the radio stations. Everybody who's listening to music they're listening to the radio or they're listening to so-and-so. Uh, they're listening to their favorite record, for example. The Dream 100, and I'm a musician, so this is something that boggled my mind. Listening to, like, if you want to get in front of the audience of people who like you, um, let's say you're a mumble rapper, and so they're playing mumble rapper on the radio, um, or there's a radio station that plays primarily mumble rap or trap rap or something like that. What you want to do is, if you're a trap rapper, get on the trap rap station. And suddenly you're blasted to thousands of people who will probably like your music. And see, it gets even more complex. Like, let's say um, you'll see this a lot and you don't realize it, but with record labels, um, let's say you're an artist assigned to J. Cole. Um, and J. Cole, you know, this is he does, and they do this with J. Cole's Dreamville record label. They do this with TDE record label, uh, with Kendrick and them. The first thing that they do in order to blow an artist up is when the artist is coming out with the album, not only do they go to the radio stations to get their album pumped out to the masses that like them, but they take a popular you know, rapper from the same label. Like, let's say if it's TDE as a label, they take Kendrick Lamar. And uh, since, you know, the less known person on the label, uh, Kendrick is part of their Dream 100. He has the people that they want listening to them already listening to him. Kendrick Lamar just does a feature on this person's album or on this track. And so Kendrick Lamar fans starts to hear about this guy. Um, and that pretty much is the beauty behind it. And it's not about whether these rappers have a good quality product or they didn't get accepted into these networks from having a good quality product or being geniuses or any of that. It's just that, you know, they follow the pattern for getting accepted into these things. They model the pattern of what works. You know, you don't have to spend years learning how to do this or years learning how to socialize. You just have to follow the path, learn the variables and, you know, that people in your industry are using to get into these doors and just mimic the variables. That's really all you have to do. Um, think about, uh, you know, everything in life. I remember, and this is a big lesson, you know, I remember in the wrestling room, uh, my coaches, my coaches, uh, you know, my first year of wrestling, I didn't do so well. I went uh, like 11 and nine. I didn't go to get the JV County Championships, but uh, because I was in a room, I was just, I looked at the coach, but then I was trying to put my own twists and put my own spins on things. Um, but winning 
just like socializing, just like anything else follows a pattern. And there are certain variables that you need to follow to a T that already work and will never stop working, you know? And um, so I came back in the room and those variables are already perfected. Everything you want to do, someone has already done. You just have to follow in their footsteps the exact way they did it. And that's the kind of the idea that I follow. Um, so the next year I came back and I became a JV County, JV County Championship that year because I just looked at my coaches that year instead of relying on my own mind and trying to waste time and energy and effort and in my own trying to be smart and trying to figure things out on my own. I just modeled exactly what my coaches did. You know, I just looked at my coach when he did a move and I just did it exactly the way he did it over and over and over and over again. And if I didn't know how, I would ask him. I would just do it over and over and over again. And so um, that goes into so many different areas. Um, but that that was a that was a perfect example, a perfect, uh, you know, and I ended up, like I said, doing all right in wrestling. Babies, when they want to learn how to walk, they don't invent and try to do things their own way. They look at the way their parents do it and then they try. And they look at the way their parents do it and try. And so think about it. There are people in your industry, freelance writers, that are already at the top of it, that are already doing what you want to do. And so if you want to get the same results as them, what you have to do is be observant. Okay, I just broke down, you know, what are, what are, what are their dream 100s? Where are their clients coming from? Just look at what they're already doing and take notes. Sneak a secret little notepad and take notes and mimic some of the things that they're already doing to get the results that they're getting. Um, and really that saves you the trouble of having to be anybody special or having to waste time, learn a new skill or do any of that stuff. Um, it's very, very simple. Um, but uh, that's, that's, that's really all I have to say today, man. Like I said, um, man, uh, there, there, you know, today particularly there, there has been a lot happening. Uh, I took my little notebook and I made a lot of notes on it. Um, I can't wait to share. I'm, I'm really going to, uh, I can't wait to share some of the stuff that I'm learning. Um, my goal and my personal aim this year, uh, I really want you to model after me and model after some of the notes that I'm taking. Take notes on this of your own. But, um. My goal this year is to pass below, you know, and I'm not nowhere anywhere near this or, you know, it would be completely out of left field if it did happen. But my goal is to blow past a million this year very easily. Just blow past it and uh, just keep going. Have Memoir Launch be, you know, a top tier company. Eventually, you know, uh, my top my top tier product, you know, it's going to be go from 10,000 or five figures to 25,000 and then to six figures and beyond. Um, it's going to be something beautiful we're watching. Like I said, all the way, I'm taking notes in my little notepad about it. And um, this notepad is, like, it, like the, what the things that are in this book are insane. Like, the page is busting at the rims. Anyhow, uh, look, man, if you want, if you're interested in uh, some of the stuff I'm talking about in this podcast, um, I got um, a five-video series training. It's absolutely free. It's on my website at www.memoirlaunch.com slash writing secrets. And uh, I'm not going to sell you anything on there. I'm not going to pitch you anything. I'm not even going to offer you the opportunity to buy something. It's just strictly to help you out and go a little more in depth with uh, some of the things I'm talking about right here, right now. Uh, I think you would enjoy that a lot. So if you want to download that training, just go to www.memoirlaunch.com slash writing secrets. Um, it's pretty, 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 man, if you think this is intense, this kind of blows that completely out of the water. It is ridiculous. But, um, yeah, that's really all I have to say, man. I think within this writing industry, um, first off, there is a, a network going on, sort of. But, um, 
you know, a lot of the freelance writing experts, you know, I already talked a lot about this. Um, I don't know. It's a shady business. That's all I would say. You know, you shouldn't be following what a lot of these people are saying. You shouldn't be pitching. You shouldn't be cold emailing. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be going out and finding and hunting for your clients. Uh, it really just makes very little sense. And while you might think this method I'm talking about seems like a pain in the butt, uh, what's a pain in the butt is to send out pitches all day and be more of a pitcher than an actual writer like some of these people are telling you to be. And um, literally, what's, what's really a pain is to for the long term, um, which that modeling thing I told you about really expedites the process. You just have to give one. That's all you have to do and you'll burn past them. But you know, what's really a pain in the butt is to not get consistent clientele, to get low paying pain in the butt clientele. I promise you that much. Um, but that's really all I have to say, man. I'll see you in the next episode. Next episode is going to be explosive. Like I said, man, if you want it, this podcast is all about automating client flow, automating the flow of clients coming into your uh, writing business. And this is not me talking to you as an expert. I'm talking to you as somebody in the trenches with you that's still trying to figure out this documenting the process myself. Um, a lot of a lot of you know with the particular deals that I'm going on, going on right now a lot of big 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 news coming. Um, I'll talk to you about some of it in the next episode in detail. Uh, I'll see you either later today or tomorrow. Um, so I appreciate you watching. My name is uh, Dallas, and this is the Freelance Writing Secrets. If you want the extensive training, go to www.memoirlaunch.com/writingsecrets, and I'll see you some more over there. I appreciate you for watching. No more pitching. Say it. We're looking for a future where no freelance writer ever pitches again because they have an automated feed of high-paying clientele. If you want that, listen to the next episode and follow along. I'll be on here daily. Peace out.